We are going to hear the text this morning from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 3 through 11. And I want to offer you an opportunity to do something a little different today. I want you, even if you feel comfortable doing that, close your eyes as the scripture is read and try to imagine this scene as it unfolds. And uh, for those of you who want to stand in honor of the gospel, I would invite you to do that. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and making her stand before all of them. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They said this to test him so that they might have some charge to bring against him. So Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And they kept on questioning him. He straightened up and he said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way. And from now on, do not sin again. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. We have a special invitation today, Faith. So let me open that for us and see what it says. Oh, well, that's nice. It even comes with a self-addressed stamped envelope in it. Let us see here. Oh, okay. To the body of Christ, currently located on 91st Street between Memorial and Sheridan. That's us. From the Almighty God, creator of the universe. Pretty cool, huh? You didn't know you were going to get that when you came to church today, did you? It says... Please join me for the celebration of a lifetime. I am preparing a banquet table in your honor, Faith. Bring with you all your regrets, disappointments, betrayals, mistakes. I'll have angels at the door to check those for you. There's no need to pick up a claim ticket, however, because you won't need them when you're departing. As we dine, we'll share holy conversation. Nothing will impede our honesty. This meal will offer you a chance to be fully free, just like the woman from the text in John's Gospel. I am inviting you to leave unencumbered and at peace. I hope you can accept my invitation. I have a space saved just for you, Faith. With my warmest welcome, God. Well, now that's an invitation that's worth getting, don't you think? Let us take a moment to pray together. Almighty God, we ask for your gift of illumination as the scriptures are read in our presence. Our music has allowed our hearts to be open to your word to us this morning. 
But this might be a hard one for many of us to receive. And so we pray for grace that as we have received your invitation, that you might give us the courage to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want you to think about most of the mail that comes to your house. I don't know how it is at your house, but anymore, most of the mail that I receive deserves very little attention. In fact, if I'm honest about it, it deserves so little attention that we only gather it about once a week. But every once in a while, in this pile of mail that we bring into our home, there's a special envelope. Do you know the ones that I'm thinking about? The paper is of a better quality. It doesn't look like it's been through bulk mail. The envelope perhaps is even hand addressed. And you know when you see it that it's going to include an invitation to something special, a celebration of graduation or marriage or new life. And you look at the, the uh, response address, the return address, and you think, oh, yay, because it's usually someone you know right? And they're inviting you to celebrate something special with them. Well, this morning, I would tell you, we received just such an envelope. And it's going to cast our direction for the next four weeks. We are being invited, friends, by the Almighty God to forgive. God extends this invitation every time we say the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And this, friends, is the road to freedom, to be forgiven, and from that place of grace, to be able to forgive others. I told you that our invitation comes with a self-addressed stamped envelope. So today, I ask you, what do you say? You want to go to God's party? You want to be a part of that great banquet feast? My assumption is... Yes, or why would you be here this morning? Whether you're joining us online or here in the sanctuary, if God's going to offer you an invitation, hopefully you want to receive it. Each week we're going to receive a specific invitation that I hope will lead us closer to forgiveness in a life of freedom. And I'm going to assume that we all really want to be able to accept this invitation. And so this morning as we begin the sermon series, I would ask us what What gets in the way? Assuming that we have received this beautiful invitation from the Almighty God and that we want to be able to respond, and we can't. That's how forgiveness sometimes feels. What is it that gets in the way? What are the barriers? And since we're playing with this metaphor of invitation, we might call them our regrets, our apologies. You know, when you get that envelope in the mail that has a stamp on it, there's always a, I can come, or I'm sorry, I send my regrets. So, what are our regrets, friends? As we receive this invitation, what makes us say, oh, I can't. I really wish I could, but I can't. I would offer to you that one of the barriers to forgiveness is seeing ourselves clearly. And so today, the invitation is to see. We'll never be able to receive God's invitation to forgiveness when that barrier of not being able to see ourselves clearly stands in the way. And so today, receive this invitation, friends, to see. 
to be seen and to see ourselves clearly. It is from there that we enter this text about the woman caught in adultery. And most of the time when we tell this story, it's, it's one of the most to- told gospel stories. And we focus on this woman in the passage. And when we do that, friends, we miss the significance of Jesus' role. Because this woman is simply a pawn. And if you have ever been a pawn, where you know that your only usefulness is what somebody else wants to do with you, you know that is a barrier to being seen clearly, right? You know that you're not going to see yourself clearly in that particular situation. So this woman is simply a pawn. It's true that the law commanded the death penalty for adultery, but it is for both partners. The law also required two witnesses for a conviction. So where is her partner? Missing. And where are those two witnesses? Missing. You see, adultery in this cultural context was actually a violation of a husband's property rights. That's why it was against the law. It's not really so much about the breaking of the marriage covenant that we might understand it to be today. But in that context, it's because the husband's property rights had been violated. Therefore, both the man and the woman must be punished in order for the husband to receive justice. Well, clearly, this woman's accusers are not concerned with the intent of the law. They see an opportunity to trap Jesus. What do you say, Jesus? So in response to them bringing this woman to her, he bends down to write in the dirt. He's ignoring them, friends. He's stalling because he doesn't want to engage this conversation. And you probably know what that feels like. Do you ever have a conversation you're just kind of stalling because you don't want to engage and you know because of the way you've been approached You know that tone of conflict they already have in their voice when they approach you. You know, this is not going to end well. And so you try to find those ways to put them off because you feel their intent. It's not to engage you. It's to manipulate you, to judge you, perhaps even to shame you. We have our own forms of bending down and riding in the dirt hoping that they're going to take their fight somewhere else. And many times they do. This time, though, the scribes and the Pharisees do not. They just keep after Jesus. Come on, Jesus. We found this woman in the very act of committing adultery. Come on, Jesus. You can't get out of this one. Come on, Jesus. What do you say? What do you say? So if you go back and you look at the previous chapter, chapter 7 in John's Gospel, what you feel is this tension of this rising sense of conflict. See, Jesus has been about the business of pushing the religious authorities, making them uncomfortable, challenging them. And from our perspective today, we might say, way to go, Jesus. You tell them. But I'm going to tell you what, when you're on the other side of somebody doing that kind of pushing at you and challenging you, you don't like it very much. Neither do I. It's hard. 
So Jesus has made repeated choices to tick off the religious leadership. And his choices have led to this woman's life hanging in the balance. Don't miss that detail. No wonder he draws in the dirt. He realizes, uh uh-oh. You know, I thought it was just about me. I thought that I could put myself out there and now she's involved. He needs time to think. Biblical scholars have long wondered what he wrote. But you don't have to be a biblical scholar. Have you wondered what he wrote? I have. I have a whole long list of what I think he wrote. But truthfully, it's probably just a stall tactic. Just to give him time to think. What what am I going to do now? So when he can stall no longer, he rises to face them. And he says, let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. All right, now if you've imagined this passage so far, if you've even placed yourself in that dusty, dirty, perhaps even hot situation, he's been riding in the dirt, not saying anything, and he rises up and he faces them. And that's all he says. Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. For truly, who has not sinned? Who stands worthy to condemn? Who can take another's life and walk away feeling justified at peace? Because that person deserved it and they do not. Their thirst for vengeance is all of a sudden quenched. Did you notice that? They were demanding that her life be taken in a very violent and awful way. And all of a sudden, one by one, they begin to walk away as Jesus bends back down to write in the dirt. He lets them make their own decisions, but he insists. First, first, scribes and Pharisees, you must see yourself clearly. And if from that view, you can judge her life as expendable because of her sin, then take her life. But remember that you will be judged by the same standard. You see, vengeance has a way of turning on you. But he said it so much more succinctly. Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And after they have all left, then he rises again. And he faces this woman. He sees her clearly. He knows her truth. And he asks her, where are your accusers? Then she sees herself clearly as well. She probably at that moment is having a graphic recall of the act that just about cost her her life. And from this place of clarity, friends, she gets it. She understands the power of forgiveness. Friends, mark this truth. If you cannot see yourself clearly, forgiveness will always remain a distant ideal to you. You will want it for yourself, but you will never want it for someone else. To recognize your own need to be forgiven and then to be able to receive that gift, that is a prerequisite for offering that gift to anyone else. I think that that's so important for us to hear that I need to say that again. To recognize your own need to be forgiven and then to be able to receive the gift 
is a prerequisite for offering that gift to anyone else. Last week on Facebook, Pastor Heather put a post on our on our page, and she just simply asked this question, what's the hardest thing you've ever had to forgive? And you know, by and large, what people told us? Myself. What's the hardest thing you've ever had to forgive? Myself. That's why our first invitation this morning is to see ourselves clearly, like this woman in John's gospel did. She had to come face to face with herself. But notice that in that very same moment, she also comes face to face with Jesus. And he gave her the very best benediction in all the world. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Talk about a blessing and ascending forth. Wow. Where are your accusers, woman? I don't know. They left. Well, good. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So, you have received an invitation this morning, friends. Please join with me for the celebration of a lifetime. I am preparing a banquet table in your honor. Bring with you all your regrets, your disappointments, your betrayals, your mistakes. Because I'm going to have angels at the door to check things for you. But don't worry about picking up a plane ticket because you won't need it. You can leave those with me. As we dine, we'll share holy conversation. Nothing will impede our honesty. This meal that we will share together, God, will offer you a chance to be fully free, just like the woman from this text in John's Gospel. I am inviting you to leave unencumbered and at peace. I hope you can accept my invitation because I have a space saved just for you. might be tempting this morning to send back our regrets. Oh, God, I wish I could, but I, I'm busy, Ben. I actually have plans to attend another party with lots of celebration and feasting, but not so much on the holy conversation and the unimpeded honesty. Eh, not so much on that. Can't I just toast the evening goodnight and leave with memories of fun? Because, friends, it's not easy to see ourselves clearly and so sometimes we take that invitation and we bury it in that pile of mail on the dining room table. But if, if you are carrying a weight today of betrayal, of disappointment, of making a mistake, perhaps you might pull that invitation back out again and consider the gift it is to be seen by Jesus. That is the invitation, friends, to be seen and to see ourselves clearly. So today, let us hold this invitation in our hands and marvel a bit longer at its simple beauty. Because we begin our first fledgling steps toward freedom. Amen.